0: They called him the Hammer, that was his nickname. He used to you know, he used to put a lot of seats, people in the seats, apparently, because as soon as they dropped the puck, he'd just grab somebody and start feeding them, you know. And he was drunk on the ice a lot, is the stories I hear. You know, he'd put a 40 down before the game. They'd go out, drop the puck, and he'd just go toe-to-toe with somebody. And apparently he wasn't a very good fighter. He Got beat a lot, but the crowd used to love it. You know
1: the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Kaschuk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaschuk. My life in hockey has
0: been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 39 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Steinel as always. Dwayne, um, it's a special episode because we got the Dominator 39, the big three nine. How do you feel about it, Dwayne?
1: Uh, you know, it is a little bit unbelievable we made it 39 episodes. <laughs> that for sure. um, Thanks for the boost of confidence, you dick. Um, it's absolutely. Anyways,
0: zero. I have zero confidence in you. Um well you know what i have plenty of confidence in myself and um you know Sorry, what we are, well fuck off um getting to more important issues we are joined by mike suda um currently playing for the fargo force in the ushl committed to cornell um and uh, you know uh, an nhl draft prospect for 2021 uh, mike thanks for joining us buddy
2: yeah thanks for having me fellas good to be here
0: so, um, getting getting to uh, you know where you're at right now, um, you know you're in Fargo. I wanted to talk a little bit about you know how you ended up there because you're originally a Cedar Rapids pick. Um, so, we'll get to that in a minute. Just for our listeners, you grew up where? Chequawaga? Suda? Yep. So, grew up Chequawaga. Where'd you play your minor hockey? Yeah, so started
2: playing minor hockey for the Buffalo Saints, uh, started around four or five years old. You know, my dad's a big hockey guy, played in college, played professionally in Europe. So definitely, definitely didn't really have a choice uh, for what sport I was playing. But, you know, uh, I loved hockey from a young age, so started playing for the Saints. Uh, freshman year, went to the Wheatfield Blades and played uh, for 16-year nickels. And then my sophomore year, I played for the 15-year minor midget Regals. Um, was fortunate enough to get drafted in the O that year to the Peterborough Peets.
0: The Peterborough Peets. The and
2: Pete. then uh, – oh, yeah, fucking Peterborough Peets.
0: So let me stop real then, quick. So you go through your minor hockey. You mentioned your dad. Mike Suda, like you said, friend of the program. Mike Suda Sr., friend of the program, friend of mine. I actually just got off the ice with his team a great hockey mind, obviously a talented player in his own day, you know, but he's a great coach now. And you see a lot of coaches, sons that don't pan out. Um, but you are absolutely the, you know, the opposite there where you're, you're, you're blossoming and, and you're in a great spot. You're a division one commit, you're up for the draft. Um, you know, what in a sentence or two, what kind of role did your father have in your development and how, how did he help you get to be the player you are today?
2: You know, I think, uh, he was just a big development coach for me, you know, always practice my skills and stuff. And, you know, playing for your dad, sometimes you, you get more ice time than other kids would, which, you know, obviously if you play more, you're going to develop more as a player.
0: So yeah, the benefit of that there, that always helps. But one thing I could say about your dad, he's fair, he's tough. Uh, and he gets the most out of his players. So um, you played in uh, the SCTA for the Regals, right? 16U. Um you went to national camp twice. Um so like Dwayne always gives me shit cuz I bring up the OHL. Obviously, you being a draft pick of the Peterborough Pete's, Um tell our listeners a story. I mean, how close were you to going there? I know there was some dialogue between you and Hamilton before the draft. Um they were hoping to scoop you up. Um were, was there ever any doubt that you were going to go the USHL D1 route or was the OHL, you know, an option for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, National camp is 15th, 16th, and 17th year. So uh, my first year, 15th year, um, I unfortunately didn't make it. So I was kind of like in the mindset of, you know, fuck USA hockey and like fuck those pricks.
0: Kind of fires you up though, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: So I was like, you know what? I'm not, I, I deserve to make it. Like I know I deserve to be there. They know I deserve to be there. So, you know, when I'm not there, it, it pisses me off a little bit. So I was like, fuck this. I a little like, tip
1: on your shoulder. Absolutely. Yeah, for
2: sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna play in the OHL. Like I've the I've US always played hockey. in Canada my entire life. Like Canadians seem to love the way I play hockey. So I was like, why not go where you are wanted? Um, so yeah, played for the 15 USCTA Regals minor midget year. I talked to, I don't know, probably 16 OHL teams. Um so, yeah, I had tons of interest.
0: See, that's cool for me because, Mike, I was undrafted. And, and Dwayne, don't chirp me for bringing this up. I never went to go through that. It's fun to be wanted, right, to go through that. It's like a mini NHL draft. 16 teams. You're talking about the London Knights, the Spitfires. I know you're on everybody's board. Were you disappointed to be selected by Peterborough?
2: Um, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but obviously would have wanted to go to somewhere like London or Windsor. And, you know, Honestly, ultimately that, that was the difference maker between me going to the O or not, you know, maybe if I got selected by, you know, a Londoner, or a Windsor, you know, one of those teams, Kitchner, I would, I would yeah. be there. Yeah. yeah. Kitchener, you know, but like, you know,
0: Peterborough, not a big market team for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge fan of their jerseys and their name. I did uh, you know, an NHL, like 18, like create a player. I made yeah. Pete Peterson and he played for the Peterborough Pete's and he was a fucking stud. Yeah. guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, that's pretty cool, Mike, that, uh, I guess at that, you know, at that level, you kind of get that choice, you know, like, you know, when you are drafted into the show, like you don't really have a choice. You're going to the, you know, you're pretty much, unless you're in the, uh, going to the college route, you know, the loopholes with college, but, uh, you get drafted in the NHL. I mean, that's, that's your team essentially, uh, you, you know, you, you wait the certain amount of time and, uh, in the, you know, with, you know, obviously, you know, the story with Jimmy Vc here in Buffalo, or not Jimmy V. Yeah, um, no, was um
0: extra year. Nashville had his rights. The college guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. and Nashville had, had his rights.
1: And yeah. And uh, you know, he didn't. He didn't want to play there. So uh, or play here. So, um, it's kind of cool that you have that option. You know, in the OHL at least. You know, you know, he had all that interest. Like you said, you know, you were wanted by you know, from all over. You know, sixteen different OHL teams. You know, you're wanted in the US USHL, and now you're committed to Cornell. Um, you have all these options in front of you where you're not just limited to just the one team that drafted you. And that's it. You know, you know, that, that's,
0: I think that's pretty cool. When it brings up an interesting debate, right? The OHL versus the USHL debate. Yeah. That's the better route. I think it's something that it's, it's still hotly debated. Obviously, Mike, I think you made the right decision. Um, Cause you've had a ton of success. Now you're with Fargo. Um, tell me a little bit about, so you get cut from that USA camp. Um, Dwayne's going to love this. I had a really good experience. I was able to go back to 17s. And, and uh, you know, make the all-star game and make that. But you had a lot to prove going into that last 17 camp. And it's fun because there's the future, the guys that are, you're going to be playing against and, you know, you're going to see drafted are, are there in that, those final two teams, right? Um, looking back on it, like I was with Nate Schmidt, um, Evander, uh, not Evander, Case Canadian. Um, so we played against him. But anyways, take me through that U17 camp. There's tons of schools there. There's tons of OHL teams there. Were you committed to Cornell at this point?
2: Um, yeah, so actually the U16 camp is, is where, um, I would say most of the college interest started coming. So, um, you know, we have the, the regional camp where you have to try out before you make national camp.
0: Lots of politics there.
2: Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, after that, I was, I was pretty confident in my game. Like I thought I was evidently one of the, one of the best defensemen there, if not the best defenseman there. So I wasn't, I wasn't too nervous like the year before. Like I knew I, I had a lock to national camp pretty much.
0: Well, you knew you belong there, right? It's having that yeah. quiet confidence. Yeah, I think that's a big part. I mean, I know doing, we were joking about it, but I mean, that's a huge part. You got to know that you, you're, you belong there, right? You got to push that doubt out. And Mike, you definitely have that. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's cool that you're able to experience that and have the choice. So you, you commit to Cornell, um, you end up, you had a hell of a season at Nichols, um, As a defenseman, 25 points in 40 games. Not a big deal. 14 goals. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I'll describe your game an elite skating. Offensive defenseman that also how would
1: you let him, you let him describe his game?
0: Let, let him dog a little. I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but he should <laughs> you, go you gotta
1: call you fucking got it. Call
0: hey, go ahead he's the best um, offensive defenseman that could be your number one power play quarterback, but also plays with jam in his own end, right? He's tough to beat one-on-one, he's got a great reach to him. I skated with him all summer, um, you know, working with goalies, he was shooting for me. And and you see Dwayne today's NHL shifting towards speed, right? Everything is is we went from the big old, you know, clutch and grab era to, to now it's all about speed. And you're seeing guys like Cal McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Rasmus Dahlin. What's one thing they all have in common? They're elite skaters. And that's a trait that you have, Mike, um, and it's going to serve you well. And, um, you know, so it's, it's important. I mean, that's obviously been a huge part uh, of your game. And, um, you know, you're playing in the USHL right now take us through last year cuz i know you had some ups and downs that's a tough league to play in as an 18 year old right to get in there uh, there's lots of guys there pretty much everybody's committed to d1 right
2: oh yeah so so last year i was 17 it's my senior year of high school and you know it's it's tough to move away from home especially your senior year so and you you go from a team where you're the guy you play all the minutes and now you're like everyone there was the guy on their team all the guys yeah yeah, so you know, um got to Cedar Rapids. You know, I was playing in preseason. I I think I have led our D in points in preseason. Um and all of a sudden our, our first game comes along and our coach is like, "Yeah, you're scratched." And I was like, That's I was like, awesome. "What are you I was like, what are you talking about?" Like you're telling me I was one of the I was the best D on our team in preseason and now I'm getting scratched? And I was just like all right it's just one game like I'll I'll soak it I guess and then the next game comes along and I get I get fucking scratched again and I was like what the fuck is this so obviously I'm not used to that my initial mindset was just like get me the fuck out of here like like I I could go to another fucking team where I know I'm gonna play you know but I talked to my Cornell coaches and my dad my advisor and they're all just like we'll just wait it out and just see what happens so, so you, you
0: come uh, to to skip ahead, folks. You you it's tough. Any young guy, like you said, moving away from home. You, you have a great preseason. You expect to play because you've been the guy at every single one of your teams. And you get here, and like you said, everybody's there. Um, you had to battle through not being in the lineup. And and, and Dwayne, me and you talk about this with goalies when you're a backup and you don't get consistent starts. How hard that can be. But at yep. least you're on the bench, right? For a for a player to be in the stands is demoralizing. It's tough. And you know what? The shitty part about what happened to Mike here is. You get your chance later in the season, right? And February, kind of take us through that because you caught Storm, you're playing top four minutes, and then obviously with COVID, everything happened. Take us through what happened there at the end.
2: Yeah, so I'd say um, I started consistently getting in the lineup, you know, and, I, and by November, like, I'm running our second power play. Um, So my minutes are starting to rack up, like, playing probably, like, between 15 and 20 minutes a game, getting like four minutes of power play time every game. um, You not know, a starting to produce.
0: 17 year old in the, in the USHL, not a big deal. Hey eh, Dwayne. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm starting to fucking like produce points again. Like, um, and then just all of a sudden our fucking season abruptly ends. Like, and you could just like, I could just like know I was setting myself up for success. Like I was just turning heads. I could tell. And, you know, it, it fucking blows, but. You know, a lot of a lot of other people are in the same situation, so can't complain too much about it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's and that's, you know, what you went through. I would also say it's a little bit of a humbling experience yeah. because you weren't exactly used to being in a situation where you're like you said, you're used to being the top dog running the power play. You know, you know, you, you were the go to guy when, when the game was online, you're on the ice. So all of a sudden you're being scratched one, two games in a row. And, you know, you're, you you take a step back and you're like, shit, man. Like what the hell is going on? Like, you're not used to
0: it. it's It's humbling. You know, you well, know, there's like, a lot about him as a player that doing he's able to bounce back and have success yeah, well, at the end of the year. That's, that's the
1: point is, you know, you, you take a step back, you're pissed off and maybe you start playing a little bit more of a chip on your shoulder again once you do get back in the line but like i'm going to show you that you shouldn't have had me sitting in the stands i'm going to show you why you know i'm here what you, know, you know i turned you know i turned up turned on the ohl for you
2: yeah i mean not to toot my own horror but i guarantee i outwork anyone you put me on the ice with like if you think they're better i'm going to show you that i'm better than what you think like
1: You got to have that. that. And that's
0: been Dwayne since day one of me skating with him. That's been something that stuck out to me. Right. And it's not a cockiness. It's this confidence that Mike has and he's got this fuck you attitude in the ice, which you need as a defenseman, right? They're goalies, best friends. And having the ability to skate with him, I also strapped up the pads and he sniped me probably 90% when I did finally strap him up, but skating with him all summer, you know, I think we started what, right when you came back and that was tough, you know, like the season COVID hit Dwayne, that's when we were driving down to Erie. um, And that's when I got to really know Mike and, and to see the level he was playing at man, it was, was fun. And, you know, you, you opened up some eyes there at the end of the year. Um, You know, I know that there was some interest from some NHL teams. I'm not going to name them, you know, but, you know, in conversations, I know that you, you were on some radars, and it's just really unfortunate the season ended the way it did. But back to the resiliency that makes you special, right? You come into this year, and sure enough, you face some more adversity because the team you're playing for, um, there was, a, what was it, a tornado that hit Cedar Rapids? Walk us through that. Thanks.
2: They call it a fucking land hurricane, I guess. I don't know. Like that's basically a fucking tornado, I guess. But whatever.
1: Buddy, I, I saw the pictures of this man. The outfield back wall was blown over. <laughs> the rink was torn to shit, man. It like it looks like there was a tornado inside the rink. You know, just blew it to shit. Like that. That was, those pictures look wild, buddy. I mean, um, you know, I I don't know from just looking at them. I definitely would have to say that there's no way you were playing in that complex anytime soon yeah i mean our our coach
2: was kind of just dragging it along because you know obviously he wanted to have a season like who didn't but you know we were we were planning on doing uh road games to start the year and just practicing like a half hour away but then you know eventually like the start date we just couldn't,
0: couldn't make pull it happen. through so yeah, man, that's a lot. And you guys have a nice rank. These USHL ranks, Dwayne, are nice, man. And they're, they're all pretty new. Um, so to have that happen, I mean, not to mention you're going through COVID. Everybody's playing differently. Like the rules are all changed. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, what it's like now. But you, you're, you find yourself going through this adversity step after step. You end the season on a tear. You have a great summer. You're buzzing Jake Muzzin. You come in. up <laughs> oh, your team doesn't have a team anymore. So how did you end up in Fargo and what's it been like so far?
2: Yeah, you know, um, our coach called us on a Friday. My my buddy was actually playing for Madison, and he was like, dude, our season just got canceled. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the USHL? He's like, no, just my team. I was like, you fucking asshole. Like, you scared the shit out of me. 20 minutes later, I go home, and my, my team fucking cancels too. So I was like a little little rattled at first. Um, so our coach was just like, yeah, there's a dispersal draft Monday. So I was like. All right, we'll, we'll see how this goes.
0: Um, it could be a shit show too, right? All these teams, yeah. remember, everybody's good in this league, right? Like I, I I follow a lot of the USHL teams and I love looking at the rosters they put up before the game because you see which kids are drafted. You see where they're committed. Dwayne, it's Michigan, Wisconsin, BC, BU, Cornell, right? So you're going in a lot of these teams. They have their guys. Um, what was it like to get drafted to, to Fargo and how have you enjoyed your time there so far?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the tough part is, is you got to remember, they basically had their team picked already. Like they weren't expecting to get any more players. So you're not coming in as a, as a top four player, like you expected at your old team, you're just coming in to not be a depth player, but not, you're not at the the role like you thought you were going to be. So, you know, it's obviously tough having to, you know try and prove myself again coming into a new team but you know I'm loving it here so far I'm I'm playing close to 20 minutes a game still um killing plus penalties player,
0: plus player plus five through six games got robbed plus of five. an apple the other night no but man it's been fun to see your success and um so Fargo being north dakota like I I've never personally been out there we drove through north dakota and went to like the grand t when I was real little but it's it's I always loved seeing um, the North Dakota fighting Sioux. I know they changed their name, but they, they were so fun to watch. Fargo is crazy. Do you got, oh, so with COVID walk us through what that's like, what's different between, you know, years past UHL to now outside of just no fans being there. Cause that plays more than a role than people realize.
2: Um, You know, we're allowed to have 25% capacity or something like that. So, there's still a couple people there. It's obviously a little different. Um, we actually had a game in Sioux Falls two or three weeks ago with over 5,000 people there. So I don't know what the rules are in South Dakota, but it was buzzing in there. That much. Yeah.
1: What's the, what's the hockey culture like that in, in, in Fargo? I mean, even like Cedar Rapids when you were there. Uh, you know, obviously you grew up in Western New York. It's a big hockey culture here in Buffalo you know, when the Sabres are playing well, you, you know, you know, you know, the city's buzzing, you know, it's, and it's not very often you get both teams, the Bills and the Sabres good at the same time. Maybe this next year will be different. Who knows? You know, you got a Bills on the brink of the playoffs here. You know, you got Taylor Hall in a Sabres uniform this next coming season. So we'll see what happens here in Buffalo. But, you know, you know what the, the hockey culture is here, like, it doesn't matter if, if we're in the playoffs or not. Just people in Buffalo love watching hockey, no matter what the level of it. So, you know, what's the hockey culture like, you know, in where you've been so far? You know, in
2: Cedar Rapids, it was it was shockingly good, you know. I'd say we probably had some of the best fans in the league. We didn't have the biggest uh, ice arena, but, you know, the fans were buzzing. They were passionate about it. Um, Fargo, it's hard to get a read on because – not that many people are allowed to come to the game. So, and you know, I'm not going to lie. I only go to my house in the rink. I'm not really going many other places. So it's just tough to get a read on it. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know what? Like some of the things that people don't realize is, you know, the normal things that you do with a team at that level, you know, team meals every Wednesday, right. Going out with the boys, everything's different this year. And one thing I wanted to touch on, and I know people got to see it in the NHL bubble with no fans, but you know it's still exciting playoff hockey. When you take away the energy of 5,000 fans, right? Like that affects you as a player. I know it did for me as a goalie. I like to feed off that noise, even if I was on the road. Um, and I'm sure for a player like you, like you're you're a puck moving defenseman, to hear the fans start to cheer as you as you you know take the puck up the ice, to not have that in such an important year for you's got to suck. But um, you know what? You've had a great start. And, um, you know, looking forward to, to the draft this year, what do you have to do to – I'm not going to say to get picked because I, I know you have the ability, you have the talent, you have the the grit, that the hard work, the determination to get there, you have all the intangibles. What does Mike Suda have to do this year to make sure his name is called?
2: You know, I just have to outwork everyone, you know, put in extra ice time, put in extra wait time. You know, sometimes you got to make sacrifices for the team. Um, And I don't think I need to get too caught up in like my personal goals because if you play for a good team, you're more likely to get noticed than if you play for a bad team.
0: For sure. So
2: I think the team success is definitely more important, but you know, I'm definitely still individually crafting my game and just, and just doing more than everyone else. So
1: real quick, if you had to to pick one
0: player in the NHL, one defenseman that you play most like, or try to mold your game after, who would you say? I got somebody in mind. I just want to see if you have the same one.
1: Ooh.
0: that's a tough one I know to put you on the spot I'm sorry buddy. That, is a, that is a tough
2: one um
0: I see a little bit of Cal McCar in your game you have that ability to get up the ice and control the play you have crafty hips like that's one thing Dwayne to see you see these defenders be able to go 10 to 2 on the blue line with their hips right and be deceptive yep. um and and Cal McCarr is one of the best he's so fun to watch I see a lot of that in your game Mike and that was you know, is a goaltender. It's so deceiving when you have a guy doing that. You don't know which way they're going. And when they release a shot from there, it's, it's devastating for us. Um, so, you know, I see a lot of him in your game. Um, but, you know, do you have anybody else in mind?
2: You know, maybe like a Quinn Hughes sort of guy, kind of. I like
0: that. Both high skill, oh, both high you. skill. Um, one last question for me. What would it mean? I know you just, you want to get picked by anybody, you know, and, and you start your career. Like you said, Dwayne, before you're pretty much limited, right. To where you go, where you get drafted. What would it be like if the Buffalo Sabres picked you?
2: You know, I'd, I'd be happy to go anywhere, but it'd probably be a little more special just to get drafted by your hometown team. Just kind of be like a hometown hero, I guess.
1: You know, the to are- the playoffs. This, this, the Sabres are known to do that, too. They have picked their own in the past. Uh, most recently, I forget, uh, in this past draft, I mean, he wasn't born here in Buffalo, but he played for the Junior Sabres. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember his name. I think he was in the fourth round, four, fourth round
0: pick. Uh, well, who's, you the know Who, um, who's the Kitchener Rangers kid that got picked that we skated with, Mike?
2: Declan uh, McDonald. What's his name? Declan McDonald.
0: Declan McDonald was the last pick of the draft, win but he didn't go to the Sabres. He's from Lakeview. He plays for Kitchener. I don't know who you're talking about, um, Mike. Did anybody else from? But you said Dwayne. You said he played for the Junior Sabres.
1: Yeah, he uh, he played for the Junior Sabres. Um, are you sure the Sabres point. drafted him? Positive. Oh, absolutely. Um, go through our picks. One second here. I'll have an answer for you. Well, Dwayne uh, looked
0: that up, Mike. Um, you know, obviously, you guys are playing. Is it is it a full season this year?
2: Uh, it's 54 games. So normally I think it's 62. So practically a full less. season.
0: Well, that's yeah. nice. I know we have a lot of uncertainty with the NHL draft or the NHL season coming up, right? Like we're getting closer. It's December 1st, right? And they're still not at training camp. It's, it's just wild. I I, I want them to get back to normalcy as quick as we can. Cause that's part of being it, right? Like you play at a high level, you watch the, the levels above you to get better, right? You become a student of the game. And I think that's one of the biggest differences, at least for myself, Mike, when I made that jump from, you know, midgets and junior B to the OHL, instead of watching hockey as a fan, you watch it almost, you know, breaking it down, watching what the guys that are doing, the Quinn Hughes, the Cal McCars, right? So, it, you know, it'll be nice to have that back. But, Dwayne, did you find him?
1: Matteo Constantini, he was in round five. He's from Buffalo? Not from Buffalo, but he played most of his junior career here in Buffalo.
0: You know, does the name ring a bell, Mike?
2: Yeah, he's an O2. From- Good player? He played for Niagara North when I played for the Regals. So he was oh, so a league. Canadian kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, St. So that, Catherine. Yeah. That's cool. Not Niagara North as is a, is a powerhouse really quick. I want to ask you, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of youngsters that listen to our show, you know, there it's, it's different back when me and Dwayne grew up, there was eight AAA teams in our Buffalo area. Right. I think it's down to three, right. Obviously the junior Sabres weren't around. What was it like playing in the SCTA for the Regals? Um, cause that's a hell of a league, right? You see a lot of NHL draft picks play in that league.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just such a high level of hockey. You know, it, in the States, 15 year hockey, isn't that big of a deal, but in Canada, everyone's playing 15 year hockey because of major junior and their draft year. It's, so I'm it's, playing against kids. like I
0: don't I'm think playing against kids like how different it is up there. Like yeah. minor midget is like, is, is the be all end all it's wild.
2: Yeah. So I'm playing against kids like Jamie Drysdale, drafted first round, Quentin Byfield, Perfetti, like all those kids that I played against my entire life growing up. So yeah, it's pretty I think unreal.
0: Really cool. Dwayne, I know that we, you know, in our, in our draft buildup, we talked about Perfetti. We talked about, you know, maybe Drysdale. Draft- their coaches. Yeah. Uh,
1: we talked to Chris, uh, you know, Har- uh, Hartsburg. We talked to uh, Perfetti's coach. Um, we talked to, Andre Torini with the Ottawa 67s, you know, Jack Quinn and uh, Marco Rossi's coach. And we had I them on the show that,
0: uh, um, that, that uh, Mike got to play against those guys growing up. Like I, I never and, got to do that. Me and you never had that because the Regals weren't in the Canadian league when we were growing up, right, Dwayne?
1: No, no, they weren't. Um, I, I I didn't play for the Regals. I mean, like, you know, unlike you two guys, I was a mediocre at best goaltender. So I never really made it far <laughs> with my career. You know, I was cool. a scrub, but uh Yeah, it's um, it's wild, man. You know, you you see those kids get drafted, and you know that draft didn't fall the way I thought it was going to. I, I I personally, I don't know about you, Michael. I thought Jamie was going to go be the first defenseman taken off the board. I thought it was going to be a top five pick. I was very, very surprised to see Jake Sanderson taken taken before him. Personally.
2: Yeah, I mean, I played against uh, Drysdale my whole life, pretty much. So I've known his game for a while. I played Sanderson last year, my first time, because um, he played with the U18s. It was actually our second last weekend of the season, and I'm gonna be honest, I I, I believe he's better than Drysdale. I
0: love, right. love to hear that. Tell the yeah. Sabres fans listening. I know you only got to play him a couple of times. He played on that U18 NDTP team, but you they play a USHL schedule. Um, what do you remember about his game for the Sabres fans listening?
2: Just a he's just a smooth skater, you know like good skill to puck. He, he's not, he's a decent sized kid too. So, um, kind of shocked me to see how smooth of a skater he was and stuff. And, you know, just always makes the right play good defensively, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And Sanderson comes from some good hockey lineage too, obviously is, uh, you know, his father, uh, was his father, his father, uh, oh. Jeff Sanderson. Um, oh, I, thought I was going
0: to say Ulf Sanderson,
1: you know, G, G off Sanderson yeah. uh, played here, played here for the <laughs> Sabres for quite a few years. I, uh, had the pr- opportunity to see him in the finals score with one arm against around Eddie Belfour. Well, what a good, goal. Yeah. I was sitting right behind that. A nice picture of that too. Me and my I dad. I don't think
0: Mike was born yet. Hey, no,
1: I don't think you were buddy. It's uh, yeah, I have fun. no
2: clue what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> his, his dad, his dad had a pretty gnarly one-handed goal around Eddie, the Eagle and the 99 finals. Uh, it was, uh, me and my dad were sitting in the 300s right behind the net. My, I got a, I got a pretty dope picture of it too. Uh just him tripping over Eddie's pad and, like falling forward and just scooping the puck into the net, it was, pr- it was pretty dope. Wayne, um, I remember that
0: picture was on the front page of the news the next day. What you're talking about? Such a sick, such yep. a sick um, picture. Yep. Um, I had one question um, for you, Mike, before we finish up. But we appreciate your time. Um, who is the best player that you've played against in the past couple of years? Like, who do you think will be? Maybe not a first-round pick, but you 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 know we'll have success in the NHL because you're playing against tons of guys. In the past 15 years, it's went from you know a majority of the CHL, OHL, WHL, QMHL guys getting drafted to now it's almost like 50-50 USHL, OHL, right? Yeah. Who's the best hmm. player you've played against?
2: <sighs> fuck, hit me with the tough ones today, eh?
0: Yeah, fuck, that's my job, bud. Hmm. Let me, let me clean it up. Who's the toughest forward you've had to face coming down on you one-on-one? All
2: right. I got one. Right, Matthew got- Coronado. He plays for the Chicago Steel right now. He's a late 2 birth year. He currently leads the league in points. So he he will probably be first, second-round pick this year, if I had to guess.
0: Sabres fans, remember the name. What is it? Matthew Coronado? Yes. So Alado two is their first draft year is coming up this year, um, yes. and it's also your draft year. I, I'm going to be excited to keep following you along. I, I know that you're going to turn a lot of heads. Uh, when are you set to go to Cornell? Is it this coming year or two years from now?
2: Uh, the year after this one, so.
0: I mean, that's got to be exciting, right? Hopefully, um, college hockey's back to normal. Um I know that I'm rooting for you the rest of the way here. If if you want to watch guys go to hockey TV, he might play for the Fargo force of the USHL coming up, uh, you know, 2021 NHL draft uh, prospect, you know, a, a hometown kid. And just, a, you know, overall good guy comes from a great family. I can't say enough good things about his father. Um, not just as, as, as a guy, but as a coach, man, he's just such a smart hockey guy. So I know he's proud of you, Mike um and, and and he's fun to talk to about your games right like we we go back and forth um you know you haven't because you had a hell of a weekend last weekend you got robbed of an assist that's gotta suck I never had that feeling as goalies Dwayne that's <laughs> like us getting screwed with shots you remember that yeah man you, you always had you there's two shot
1: meters the one in your head and the one on the one on the scoreboard you know you one in your head is always the right one though <laughs> yeah fuck you know they always miss that run re that one tight uh, in tight rebound or oh I fucking hated
0: there's certain ranks you know. that would screw you on purpose dude yeah. oh
1: yeah man especially especially if you let if you've let a couple couple in early and you're you you're you're, you're 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 a little tight back there and like your every shot counts at that point in your own head at least
0: um, so Mike just count your blessings you never had to deal yeah. with that Dwayne oh. I know exactly what you're talking about I used to do this <laughs> thing where I would do the math so if there was six shots and let's just say they scored two I'm like fuck I got like a a six hundred save percentage I suck. And I got in my head <laughs> so much and those fucking shot counters, man. Fuck. I hate that. Uh, they never, they're never, <laughs> they're never accurate. Well, right
1: before, before we let you go, Mike, just one last question for me, at least. Um, um, with no fans in the crowd, you know, obviously your, your kid, at least, you know, from my impression is you play with a ton of swagger. Uh, you have a good personality, you know, confidence doesn't seem to be an issue with you, at least to this point in your career. With not having, you know, those rowdy fans in the crowd, or at least, you know, you, like you said, um, you know, some places like in Sioux Falls, you, you, it's, a, it's a packed barn, whereas in, in your own home rink, it's not not nearly as bad. Is it maybe take the pressure off a little bit, not, you know, not having all those eyes on you at all times, just, you know, you kind of kind of sit back and, you know, play your own game a little bit and not, you know, you're playing a little bit, it's a little bit less tense for you, especially as a defenseman. You know,
2: honestly, I, I prefer more people watching me. I you're think it, it it gets me going, you know, uh, especially if people are chirping in my ear. I fucking love that. So
0: love to hear it. I love I would, it.
2: I would prefer to have people there. But, you know, either way, it doesn't make too much of a difference. I'm still focused on the game and what I have to accomplish.
1: You know, for goalies, it's it's the – honestly, God, I don't know how Cully feels. For some goalies, I think I like for most goalies, it's the complete opposite because, you know, you you especially if you're playing in a way um, – you know, it, you know, you know, you get that crowd that you let a few in, you get that crowd on you, you hear, you hear them shouting your last name in the crowd. It's like, oh shit, man, fuck. And you know, you feel all eyes are on you. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's different with goaltenders at least, at least for me, you know, um, I was always more comfortable playing on my own, my own home rink because at least then, at least I knew the crowd was on my side Whereas we played away. It was just like, ah, oh, shit. I let three in, in the first, and, you know, I'll hear Stein, I'll Stein, yeah, I and love it Steinel, I'll you suck. I uh, heard that a lot when we played away from Depew. I'll say that much.
0: I love it. I love it. No, man. And that's what the USHL is cool about. It, you don't realize it, but they're, they're in these smaller Midwestern cities Dwayne like Waterloo and you know, Cedar Rapids and they fucking care about hockey. Like Mike was saying, you know, obviously you think of Fargo when you think of hockey, right? But it, it's been fun to see, um, you know, the league grow. Right. Um and it's got to be fun to play in, Mike. I I I'm really happy we got you on, man. I know that I'm going to be rooting for you. I'm going to be following along. Um, I hope our listeners do too. Would love to see uh, you in the in the royal and gold here if the Sabers can uh, figure it out and, and turn it around and, and start drafting better. Right, me and Dwayne talk about that quite a bit. We we've missed on a ton of our picks, and I'd be more than happy on draft day if, if I hear Mike suit a Buffalo Sabers. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Dwayne. No, actually, I, I don't mean to cut you off. Actually, since we
1: got a kid that's uh, you know, in that age group, you know, what did you think of the uh, Sabres draft, uh, Michael?
2: Honestly, um, Jack Quinn, he's an 01, so I don't know too much about him. Um, but you know, he put up 52 goals last year, so I i can't okay. imagine he's nope. a bad pick in the short. Yeah. yeah. Who so, was our second? I JJ uh,
1: Paterka. Paterka yep. been lighting he's, it up he's lighting it up right now with uh with Red, Red Bull right now. He's lighting yeah. it up.
0: Have you seen any of his goals? for our listeners that haven't? Uh Sabres prospects. Um that Twitter handle, he's posted some of his goals. Fucking ridiculous, right? I yeah. love it. Um, is there any Buffalo Sabres draft picks on either Cedar Rapids or Fargo, Mike? No, there's not. And did you put Dwayne are the goalie that's at Michigan this year, what's his name? Eric Patillo. So where did he play last year? Do you remember the name Portillo, the goalie?
2: Yeah, Dubuque last year. So Dubuque.
0: tell us a little bit about him. What do you remember about playing against Dubuque and him? Because he's he's got a high ceiling. We've we've talked to you know Steve Shields, I think it was that worked with him, Dwayne.
1: Yep, Steve Shields. He say, he speaks very highly of him. I've actually played paid a uh, pretty close uh, attention him since the Sabers picked him. Um, I think that um, the S- Sabers fans at least have a lot to look forward to with uh, both him and UPL. Uh, going for because they got two really good goaltenders uh, in both him and Portillo. So what do you remember about him, Mike? I know you
0: probably only played him, what, a few times?
2: Yeah, I think three times maybe. Um, he's a pretty big kid if I do remember.
0: Yeah, I think six um, five, right?
2: Yeah, moves pretty good. I mean, he takes up most of the net, so it's tough to beat him. But, yeah, uh, he should be a good pick for the Sabres.
0: I love it. I Dwayne, I think it's so cool that – you know, I look back and some of the guys that I played against are still in the league. Mike, you're just starting to go through that, right? Like seeing guys get drafted this year, next year. And, and especially when you go to Cornell, you're going to be playing against future NHLers. Like it's it's so cool to be there. You're playing in the best junior league in the world. Uh, you're going to one of the best, you know, most storied programs at Cornell. Um, my last question, what made you pick Cornell? Um, you know, what is it about them? And um, are you excited? I know that's a fucking no-brainer, but what are you looking forward to about them going to, going to yeah, that? I doing? mean,
2: Cornell was the first school to show interest in me. So obviously that meant a little something to me. Um, I didn't jump onto it too quick. I, I waited quite a while, weighed my other options, but you know, when, when a school like that, they're a top 10 program every year. Like last year, they finished one in the country. When a school like that wants you, like it's, it's just tough to turn it down. And like, they have probably some of the best fans in college hockey. I don't know if you've seen videos of their barn, but it gets pretty fucking rowdy in there. So, I mean, it, it was kind of a no-brainer, honestly.
0: Do they still do the thing when the visiting team comes on the ice, they're all holding newspapers? Oh, yeah. Dwayne, have you ever yeah. heard about that?
1: Yes, I have. It's, uh, I think that's <laughs> one of the coolest <laughs> college hockey
0: traditions, man. No, so, hey, I, uh, any Cornell fans on the show, you know what? You got a good one coming your way next year um mike we really appreciate your time i'm going to be excited to you know follow you along the rest of the season hopefully get to see you over christmas break have you come and shoot on my goalies uh light them up a little bit like you did in the summer but no we really appreciate your time man it's going to be really fun you know for us and our listeners to, to follow along your journey here and playing for fargo this year and then you know hopefully getting a sniff in, in the national league so um really appreciate your time buddy good luck keep doing your thing and uh we know you'll be successful
2: yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. Enjoyed it. It was good yeah, talk, thanks,
1: Michael. Thank you, man. Good it's been a real right. pleasure to have you on, man. Uh, so it's always interesting to get that uh, perspective uh, from the junior level, especially with what's going on in the world right now. Uh, you know, you guys are one of the yeah. You, right? you guys are some of the only leagues that are playing right now. You know, hockey's kind of at a standstill. You know, I just got done telling Cully the the women's uh, professional league, uh, the NWHL. They're playing a two and a half week long season. Uh, <laughs> in lake placid in a bubble where they're going to do an olympic uh, uh, in the olympic style uh season where it's going to be you know they're probably each each team's probably going to play like eight or nine anywhere between eight to ten games and imagine, uh
0: imagine your season being eight to ten games that's fucking wild to me be, imagine being yeah, a goal just imagine being a goalie and your a backup season. goalie games. huh a backup might not even fucking play like be back and fucking them. Yeah. My, my like, like, like,
1: like being a goalie i mean honestly in that your backup goalie has to play in a condensed there's no way you don't you don't play like you you can't ex- like i had imagine you're gonna probably going to be
0: doing a couple times two and three well at I, least. I, see that's the interesting part i think if they do olympic style if i remember correctly you have at least a day between games but it'll be really interesting to see because there's some really good female goalies like i think the top three in the world right? Like, are really that much better than the rest of the pack. And that's not to say the rest of the pack ain't good. Some of these female players are nasty, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and some of the goalies are very good. I know the Sabres had Brienne McLaughlin. She was a stud. So, all right, well, we'll be back after this. Mike Suda, ladies and gentlemen, keep an eye on him. Uh, 2021 NHL draft prospect Fargo Forest. Mike, thanks again. This will be a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Better Biscuit. Better Biscuit is a hockey training tool designed to help you develop your game. These fiberglass reinforced pucks are developed to handle less than perfect services, enabling hockey players of all ages to practice their skills in their driveway, basement, or schoolyard, honing their skills whenever and wherever possible. It comes in two different styles. The Better Biscuit Sniper helps players develop forehand, backhand, one-touch, saucer, drop-passing, and shooting. Ideal for perfecting those toe drags, puck control, and stick handling. The other option is the Better Biscuit Passer. The passer will help you develop softer hands and help you become more accurate with your passes and stick handling. Will also help you improve your puck possession confidence for any skill level. Be sure to check out Better Biscuit at betterbiscuit.net for all your hockey training needs. Thanks again for all your support and be sure to check out Better Biscuit. Now back to the show. Welcome back to episode 39 of Two Goals, One Mike. Dwayne, uh, that was a fun interview for me, man. He's somebody that, you know, I've gotten to know a lot over the past, you know, year, gotten to skate with him. It's fun to, to see a guy that's, you know, on such a, a path of success, a Division One commit, you know, playing in the USHL. Um, it's going to be fun to follow along. So we really appreciate Mike Suda coming on. Dwayne, for anybody that wants to follow along, what's his Twitter? Do you have it? Yeah,
1: his, uh, anybody who wants to give him a follow, it's at uh, Michael Suda 7 So the name Michael Suda, S-U-D-A, and then the number seven.
0: Oh, no, that was a fun one for me. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it's a little bit different of pace than, you know, we've had some big fucking names in, in the hockey journalism world. That's all you, Dwayne. You have absolutely killed it. For those of you who don't know, Dwayne does all of the, the talent booking and getting all these people on the show. I think Mike's the first guy that I've got. Right. Um, So we, I, uh, you know, we got some fun ones. I know we can't talk about it yet, Dwayne, but uh, on the air until it's like confirmed, confirmed, but I think our listeners are going to get a fucking kick out of uh, the one big one, you know, I'm thinking of. So,
1: yeah, you know, I can, I can't wait to man. Um, So we got some really good personalities coming up soon. Um, One, especially after the new year, I hope, at least I hope, um, like I said, uh, some of these guys they're very sporadic when they get back to you you'll message them once they'll say yes and then they'll uh you'll you'll be like oh yeah you'll so you know when are you available you'll get a response two weeks later so uh it's very sporadic you know we'll see what happens but um you know i'm excited you know uh you know and you know, Not a lot to be excited about. We don't really know what's happening, at
0: least from the NHL standpoint. It's been so confusing. Uh, I think just today, Chris Johnston, um, an NHL reporter, tweeted out. um, I'll I'll pull it up. But, you know, there's been so much uncertainty about what's going on with the the start date. And you know what? Like, I know they were saying um, this week, right? Or, sorry, this month. But they they still haven't even agreed, like – I don't know. There's been Okay, so here it is. Chris Johnston says uh don't think January 1st start date for 2021 season is possible. Uh SportsNet hockey guy, he was on Howard and Jeremy's show on on WGR. Um and and he talks about it. So it's it's tough, man. I I Dwayne. I just want them to whatever they do this year to have it be done in time to get back to normal for 20 for 21-22. You know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah, I, I on it? it's, it's, um, it's fucking nine months, nine full months since the Sabres have played, bro. March 9th. Yeah, man. And, you know, you know, obviously we talk about the
1: Sabres, but, you know, we're, I think we're mostly just, you know, we talk hockey here, you know, obviously we're a, a show that's based in Buffalo, but we try and keep it more open to all topics, hockey, all hockey topics. So however you're going to fucking word it. Um, but, you know, this is getting really, really it's my anxiety is at an all-time high right now because I really want to see you know, you, you see all these things that the Sabres are doing from Eric Stahl to Taylor Hall. I just you want know, to fucking jersey. see him, you know. You know what I mean? You want to see him play, and yes. you want to see him play in the new royal blue and gold jersey, oh. the new the new reverse retro jersey, which is absolutely fucking beautiful. I don't know if or we yes. have to talk about that yet, but that well, you
0: know, speaking of your anxiety, Dwayne, like how they haven't we don't get to see him. Um, Johnston, his quote, so for people that don't know, um, the NHL and the NHLPA right before the, the bubble, the playoffs happened, they had to agree on a new CBA, right? So they did it, but now the NHL is trying to pull out. There's been some, like, like they have a contract for the next three, four years, I think. And so here's what Johnson said in my experience and being around the league, when things get a little quiet, it's usually an indication that there's work being done. It's certainly my understanding that the NHL and the NHL Players Association have resumed their talks after basically going all of last week without having much discussion about what it might take to get next season back on the ice. I do think one aspect of this question that we're all sort of asking ourselves that's being overlooked a little bit is how the league manages the COVID aspect of it. It's not just the financial agreements that hangs in the balance here, as we're seeing with the NFL and some other sports. So Dwayne, like that to me is fucking scary. That's not what I want to hear.
1: No, not at all, man. Um, you know, I I'm not even happy about hearing about a 48 game season. You know, hearing that a shortened season, especially in a season where you do have Taylor Hall playing for Buffalo on Jack's right side, you know, or uh, I'm sorry, not on right side, left side. Um, you know, all these things that are happening, you want to see a, see a full season of them two together, uh, not for, just 48 games um it's 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 really disheartening man like i i really don't know what to think you probably hear it in the tone of my voice like it's it's disheartening and i just i just i just want hockey back man. Uh, however they have to do it get it done um you know yeah, and make it make it work with the players too so you're not ripping them away from their families
0: so the one interesting part about this is uh and Johnston talked about this um is the, the thought, so the NHL is pretty much ruled out doing a full bubble, which I don't think the fucking players would agree to for a whole season. I know a lot of them had trouble just for the playoffs, right, being away from their family, but they has been, there has been talk about the possibility of regional bubbles, which obviously a little bit less strict, um, teams coming in and out, right? I think that would be cool to see because, like we talked about with the Buttes and the NWHL playing Olympic style, imagine seeing the NHL kind of be like a tournament kind of thing, so you would go to a city with four teams, right, like imagine the Sabres, Leafs, uh, Ottawa and I don't know, Boston, right? Like, and they all play against each other a couple times. That yeah. has like the minor hockey feel to it. I think that'd be really cool. So, um, you know, Johnson has a lot to say about what's going on. Um, you know, when we can expect the NHL back. The last quote I'm going to read about this um, and, you know, on when the season could possibly start. Here's this quote. The situation is different than the lockouts, but the lockouts that claimed half of the 94 season and half of the 2012 season, they started both of those seasons around January 20th. They were 48 game regular seasons. They got the Stanley cup handed out before the end of June. But the one difference here is the league right now was willing to go into mid July. I think the NHL could start as late as early February, but not much later than that. That's encouraging Dwayne, but that's another fucking two months away, bro. I know, man. It's, I'm sorry to make you even more depressed.
1: You know, um, realistically, man, I don't even see the season starting until sometime in in mid February at this point, like January 1st is so unrealistic. Anytime in January is so unrealistic. You you forget about preseason. Not that that matters. You're not going to have a preseason. That's for sure. Um, Again, not that that matters. Um, You know, what does this do a training camp? Um, You know, and here's another thing, too, is you're playing so many more games that you see what's going on in the NFL and how much of a shit show that is. Uh, they've been trying to get this friggin' mon- uh, no, these, uh, uh, Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh game played now all week, and now it's probably going to – they announced two more uh, positive tests uh, today, which means they're probably just going to – I imagine those probably just postpone the game at this point. I mean, how, like how many more, ga- how many more players do the Baltimore Ravens have to lose before you finally decide to postpone the game? Dude, that's Um,
0: wild to to kind of cover. Yeah,
1: and now you think about it, you have you have teams of twenty plus pe twenty plus players, and then obviously you're going to have to carry more players because of because because of uh you know this is going on video, so they're all going to see. Oh
0: no, my baby nipples are going on video. Uh, They used to call me baby nips in the locker room. That's great. I have these Um, in the national. But uh, so um. You know, you know, these guys, you know, you,
1: you saw the way the the camaraderie is, at least when they were in the bubble, you know, up in Toronto, like these guys are going to be in close quarters with each other, you know, and, you know, once one guy goes positive, it's probably going to affect multiple other players. What if it happens here in Buffalo, man? What, what if Jack Eichel, you know, gets COVID and it gets past the Taylor? All of a sudden your entire top line is gone. So speaking know, of Eichel, can I brighten up the
0: mood by sharing something that I wanted to share? Yeah, go ahead you bring up an excellent point because if you see a player like that, right? Like obviously in football, if a guy, the quarterback goes out, it's, it is what it is. Right. But like, I'm so excited to see the, the new lines we have two things that I want to talk about with Eichel, So we can end the show on a happy note uh, on the NHL website. Um, it was posted uh, yesterday. Um, it's part of hockey fights, cancer month, the NHL profiled on Jack Eichel and his yeah, relationship that. with Roswell Dwayne. And I don't know if you got to see it, but it was yep. really cool um jack continues to be the source of smiles um and hope for everybody that's that's there right and for him to do i know a lot of athletes do stuff like this but jack is always active right and he, he's down there a lot really cool um november is obviously official hockey fights cancer month so yep. they're doing some profiles on some different guys but really really special article jack has done a lot of stuff there since he's been here and being for a young guy it's pretty impressive um, you know, he has pretty he has pretty big boots to fill too, as far
1: as that goes. I mean, um, my is of Pat LaFontaine and all used to do at
0: children's hospital. Yeah, uh, my mom used to work there when he did yep. she delivered he, Barnaby's he, baby he for, and Baron's baby, but she said that La Fontaine was so good. Yeah, he so good and, you know, and I
1: and I've said it a couple of times, man. You can re- read it all about it in his, in his book Companions, uh Companions for Courage. Um, but you know, he didn't ask for any accolades, he didn't ask me to put any pedestal, he would sneak into the hospital uh you don't want you want you don't never want a media there like he just cared about the kids and cared about you know knew knew his place and the ability he had to bring smiles to faces because of who he was and he really took a ton of pride in that and uh you know he's got like jack has a big boost to fill when it comes to stuff like that you know and you see what josh allen does josh allen bill's quarterback he does a lot too so having both those guys be the faces of your two franchises and see them both doing as much as they're doing that, that really is heartwarming. And
0: um, really, really cool stuff. I uh, love that. Awesome. Uh, one last thing about Jack Eichel um, in, in a recent interview too uh, on NHL, they were talking about uh, his thoughts. Cause you remember it came out that, you know, the national media went nuts with it. He said that he was fed up after a fifth straight losing season. That's all he said, right? And people took that to mean he wants out. He wants this and that. So to put the Sabres fans at ease, here's a quote directly from Jack. Um, We're really excited. Uh, They're great moves for management in the offseason. Now, more than anything at this point, you want to get back to playing. I think it's great. I think it definitely sparks some excitement in me and the other guys in the room. Uh, He continues to say, and this is my favorite part, if this doesn't get your fucking Sabres juice flowing, I don't know what will. Whenever you can add people like Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl and Cody Eek into your roster in the locker room, they not only bring talent to the ice, but also veteran presence to the locker room. They not only bring talent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. In a situation like ours where we're trying to find a winning culture with a young group and trying to figure out the right way to do things at times, I think having older guys can help out, especially during periods of adversity. So just to hear like the tone of this interview, Jack's fucking juiced. And um, he said uh, on Taylor Hall, obviously he's a super player and it seems like he's super excited about the situation. I think that's one of the best parts. You want guys who want to be here and it takes a little bit of the pressure off of times of me at times too. He's somebody that can do a lot on their own and create a lot, create something from nothing. I think people forget too that he won the heart trophy as MVP two years ago. Fucking rights, Jack. Yeah. Let's go.
1: I, I, I can't wait, man. Like I cannot wait to see who's on that right side. I personally don't think it should be Sam. I think he should try and, uh, best utilize, you know, Jeff Skinner, uh, you're paying the guy $9 million. He should be playing on your first line. And so I go hall. I really do think so. I know you're, I know he's playing on his off wing, but not, dude, it, it would be, it, w- it would be. And I think if, if all the analytics are right about Sam Reinhart, you know, if everybody says he can drive his own line, I need to drop him down on that second line with stall and, uh, Sin and let him do his work down there. Um, you know, on the second line. So, um, you know you know, one more thing too. Uh, Cully, have you been seen? I know we, everybody who follows hockey knows that Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane don't really like each other at all. Well, I and loved he, it. He, it all
0: started with the Jake Paul fight. Yep, Evander Kane came out and said, Hey, you know, you like NBA guys are soft compared to NHL players. Why don't you fight me? And people forget that Kane has a, a boxing background. Yep. His father was a big fighter, right? And he's, he's done boxing in the offseason. He's named
1: after Evander Holyfield. His, his, there's, an, there's a couple of good articles out there. You know, I um, actually had Andrew Peters DM me today because they were talking about it um, on the Instigators this morning and I and they were trying to find, he couldn't remember about, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he has you know, some experience in boxing or grew up around it. And I sent him a video and a clip uh, and, and an article on it. And he DM me and thanked me for sharing that. I, I, You know, obviously I tried to put my uh, selling boots on try to sell them on coming on the show. Still wait for that Love response, it. but um, yeah, he's is uh, named after Evander Holyfield. He spent hours and hours and hours in gyms and in the ring growing up, training in pools, stuff like that. And but he his dad was, was also
0: in Buffalo, uh Canada USA, he fucking was on that Canada team with Taylor Hall and they yep. abused me, Dwayne. He's a fucking special player.
1: Yep, and he's forget that he was with the Sabres for a few years, you know. Yeah, you know, you know, he had that falling out in Winnipeg, came to Buffalo in that trade, uh, the Tyler Myers trade. Um, he was, he didn't play at all that season. We traded for him because he had a shoulder injury and he had surgery, but, uh, you know, he, he did a lot of good here in Buffalo. I remember that game against Florida where he, uh, fought
0: oh, what's three his name? times. Petrovic. Three time.
1: Yep. Fought him three times. beat him, him too. Time. Yep. He did. And, uh, you know, he had that, he, Evander Kane was living rent free in his head for a while there, but, oh, People um, you, you know, you see, he, well, it's the point I making it started with Robin Leonard. Um, because it started with, uh, uh, Jake Paul going on Twitter and calling up Conor McGregor, which I laugh at, like, I don't care who you've been training with Jake Paul. I don't care what boxing coach you've been training. And I don't care if it's been two years or not. You're not going to call out Conor McGregor and expect to win that fight. It's not going to happen. Like my, Conor McGregor, won how many rounds is one of the best that's ever done it in Floyd Mayweather an and- fight to watch. Yo, know, you know. And granted, people can sit there and say that Floyd Mayweather may have carried the fight a little bit, and what you know, maybe he did. But you know what? He still, he didn't get knocked out. He he landed some punches on Mayweather. Like he, it's not like it's not like he went in there and just swung at air. He landed punches, and you know he well. trained, and McGregor trained pretty hard too. So you're gonna get your you're gonna get your face caved in if you jump into a ring with Conor McGregor. I definitely
0: see that, but I'd rather see a vendor Kane beat him up, get the end. Oh my
1: God, absolutely, absolutely. And um, start with Robin Leonard. He was the first one to say something because called out Conor McGregor and Robin Leonard quote tweets a tweet and just says, "I'll fuck you up," and that, <laughs> dude, that that made me want to buy a Robin Leonard jersey right away. It's just like that is amazing, like that Love classic Robin, Robin. and he has a the thing is. The thing is, Robin has a background in fighting because he's done a lot, like a lot of his off-season training is MMA training. He, he trains MMA. And now, and now because, because of, you know, people see stuff like that, Linus Olmark actually does it now too. Linus Olmark does a lot of MMA, MMA He's trading. In the
0: your core as a goalie, yep. a lot of the, the yep. same striking, sure. right? You use your core your is a lot of what goalies do as we power push and rotate very yep. similar movements. So I did, I did boxing one summer in the, in Kingston, in the OHL, um, I, you know, it was good for my footwork too. Very tough. Very, very, very tough. Yeah, it's, I it, didn't you realize know. how cardiovascular challenging it was. I thought it'd oh. be, easy. I was fucking gassed. I was terrible.
1: And listen, I'm not going to take anything away from Jake Paul. Like I'm not going, I'm sure. He's I
0: will trying. fuck that guy. I'm he pretty sure. He's, fucking he's, Nate Robinson, some washed 40 year old NBA. Yeah.
1: And, you know, his, here, here's what pisses me off. And I, and I was talking to a few buddies earlier today in a group text about this. So like, does it piss isn't it like almost disrespectful for fighters that are really trying hard to get to the pro level? Uh, the, the, like he's considered a professional. Uh, he has a pro record of two and out. He's fought Jake Paul. I mean, it's, I get it. It's because he was paid for these fights, so that it considered them it, fights. But still, I get your yeah, point. Yeah, it is kind of it, 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 it's it's disrespectful to boxing, if you ask me. You know, you're doing it, Dwayne, because boxing has kind of been overtaken by MMA the past ten no, years. Absolutely, I agree. There's I, a I agree. I 100% agree, but your two fights, your first fight was against a guy who was also gained notoriety because he's a YouTube. Uh, he was a YouTuber. Jake Paul got all of his notoriety from being a YouTube sensation. Same thing with this first guy he fought you know, you know, beat him. And then he comes in here against a former slam dunk champion and Nate Robinson. And I don't know if you watched the fight at all, Cully, but after he knocked him down the first time, Nate Robinson got up and you could clearly see it in his face. He no longer wanted to be there. Yeah. And even when he came out of his corner, like, like Jake Paul, like again, he's been training to fight. He came at hands up, ready to go. Nate Robinson did not look like he was ready to go, did not look like he was ready to fight. Like, he did not, he basketball does not players. have that killer instinct as a fighter would. Like, like it's, it, you know, he's fought nobody.
0: He's fought nobody. Well, and so, like today, like, basketball players, they're not used to getting punched in the face like hockey players. No, no, like, you
1: know. So you're 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 gonna put him in a in a boxing ring against a guy like Evander Kane who does have a boxing background who has hit the bag before who has danced in a ring before who's probably had a few amateur fights in his life, um, and and or Orion Reeves who bangs let's be really fucking bangs or, he you're he power power. Like, or you're gonna put him in there with a cycle you're gonna put him in there a guy who with a psycho like Robin Leonard who in the off season does MMA training does fight you know you know probably spires a lot like it's not like these guys like the training regimen for hockey players is just so much different than it was 10 years ago so much different so much more complex these guys are hl players drinking a 12 pack after games and hacking ripping ripping darts like it's not it's not the way it used to be anymore these guys take such good care of their bodies and not to mention when they when when they do drop them it's they're on skates They're doing it on skates. Like they're not, it's not like you're flat footed. They're doing it on skates. You're going to tell me that Jake Paul's going to hop into a ring with a Robin Leonard, with a Ryan Reeves or an Evander Kane guys who have fighting backgrounds and he's going to do what he did. Nate Robinson. Absolutely not.
0: No way. um, You know, hockey players training with fighting cam Jansen, our former guest, Really yep, cool video he, he put out. He would do boxing, obviously, to help him as a fighter. But what do you would do, Dwayne, to simulate being on skates? Like you said, it's such a different ball game. Stand on a ball, medicine ball. Oh, he was standing on BOSU balls, right? Yeah. Both of them, right? And tying up and put, Really cool video. Love to see that. But um, no, it'd be fun, man. Really quick story. Okay. Um, our first game, my second year, I had just gotten traded to Kingston, was against Sault Ste. Marie. They had just picked up the Ottawa Senators draft pick foreign goalie Robin Leonard. And a lot of the European goalies um in the ohl the import goalies were skinny kids right skinny tall lanky right so yep. i thought that this guy would and i wasn't playing i was backing up uh, a dallas stars second round pick tyler bescarwani so i was just a piece of shit during warm-ups instead of uh, the tough guy rolled to right in the red line it was me i was an idiot dougie gilmore fed me on so Dwayne, i see robin leonard right for the first time and he's tall but i think he's like all the other european goalies and i say hey leonard i'll fuck you up he tilts his helmet up, and that's when I saw that his neck looked like Ivan Drago, and immediately yeah. I shit my pants, and I fucking turned my head, and I fucking left. But a big mistake from Cully, he would have fucking put me in the ground like that whack-a-mole game. He would have ended my life. <laughs> but, man, it was just funny. I thought I was tough, and, and then he fucking lifts his helmet up, and it's, good God, it's Ivan Drago.
1: It's It's, it's Drago, and then... Obviously this is before he had all those body tattoos that you can I see. I think he still had
0: one neck tap back then.
1: Yep. 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 So
0: scary guy. Uh, yep. One last thing I wanted to bring up our former guest, Oli Kolzig. Um, He had this really interesting article about Ilya Samsonov. He was that Capitals goalie. The rookie played really well in the start of the year. That's what kind of made Braden Holt be expendable, right? Yeah. Uh, he got hurt. So he wasn't available during the playoffs. And I think they would have used him, right? Uh, he had 16 wins in 26 games, dude. That's unreal. Mm-hmm. 16 wins and 22 starts. That's yeah, unbelievable and, for an HL rookie. Yeah. So, Oli Kolzig is the Washington Capitals professional development coach, one of our first guests. Really interesting article while, how he talks about how, um, even with Lundquist coming into Washington, they expect Samsonov to push him for time right away. And, oh, it, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Compares, Kolzig compares Samsonov to Vasilevsky. And, Vasilevsky is one of the best, if not the best, goalie in the world right now, coming off a Stanley Cup win in a dominant couple of regular seasons. That's a fucking really high compliment from a guy that you remember from our interview. He knows the game. He's been through it all as a player in the national league, as a goalie, as a goalie coach in the national league. Like when it's coming from Oli Kolzig, you believe it really cool to see how he compares Samsonov to these guys like flurry, like um, Ben Bishop, like Vasilevsky says he can be a really good guy. One quick quote. And I really encourage you guys to check it out. Fascinating article for all our goalie people. He's still a, he's a, a still young guy and he's going to have some rough patches. So you need that veteran guy at That's going to be able to get in there and do the job because we are a competitive team that still has aspirations of winning another cup said calls who's 300 wins are still first in capital's history. couple of clicks for Oli, Oli the goalie. In the is, you don't want to sacrifice that with having the growth of a young goaltender. I thought for what we got Hank for and what he brings to the table. I thought it was a no brainer for the organization. That's going to be fascinating. Um, I'll let you tell a story about Lundquist if you're allowed to. I am
1: not allowed to, uh, unfortunately. Um, but uh, w- one thing I will say though is you know, he, I, I really think by the season's end, you could see off being the full time starter with that team because unfortunately, Hank was fighting for his life over there in the uh,
0: with the Rangers. Uh, he He's had on his goalies. back nine, man. I, I want to see him win a cup. So, even so do I, oh, so do I, so do yeah, I, so I know, um, they're splitting time, and, and he uh, Samsonov ends up being the guy for playoffs. If he gets his ring fucking rights, I would love to see that. I think everybody does. Yeah, and you
1: know what? There's a good chance we would be looking at the same type of playoff format that we had uh, this past season, next season. And if that is the case, you definitely will see Lundquist play during the playoffs. That's that's, it'll be inevitable. It'll be such a condensed schedule that you'll, you're going to see that
0: happen. So, uh, I mean, that's all I got for today. I know we bounced around quite a bit. But love your commentary on the Evander Kane, Ryan Reeves thing. I mean, that's fucking awesome. For our listeners that haven't looked at it, go on Twitter. Check out their exchange. Um, Kane got into some shit because Ryan Reeves' brother got into it, and Kane referred to the, the Reeves sisters and a bunch of people, like a bunch of – um super hardcore feminist said like, that's unacceptable. You can't refer to people as sisters. Listen, guys, there's a lot more fucking worse shit that we should be clamping down on than fucking Evander Kane chirping Ryan Reeves and his brother by calling them sisters. Like that is not the fight. Right. I think there's a lot of fucking misogyny out there, but that's not it. Right. No, I don't know I if you know that, but dude, it was on Twitter and it made me sick. Like is, is that, is it in good taste? Not really, but is it something to get upset about and worked up?
1: They no. they hate each other. They just hate each other. No, I mean the people
0: that were going after Kane for
1: being. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you're you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot worse than what Kane said. Yes, just,
0: yes that's my point. A lot worse he said, I, mean, I just know, think that there's a yeah, lot of worse things that they, they, they people can be upset they,
1: about. They, they hate each other, and uh, you know, this isn't the end of it. This will never be the end of it. It probably won't be the end of it until they they, they fight again. So you know, we'll, I can't yeah. wait to see
0: that. All right. Any last thoughts? I know that, you know, it's a boring time right now in the hockey world. Uh, We look forward to, you know, the next month of really getting back into it. We got some really cool guests coming up. Uh, I had fun with Suda. I really think that he's going to be, you know, we're going to hear his name called probably on the second day of the draft uh, this coming year. Uh, Local Buffalo guy. It's hard not to root for him. Really good kid. I knew Mm -hmm. he comes across as very confident. You know, almost might even seem cocky, but he's not. And and like the more you get to know him, he's a real humble kid, but he believes in himself and you need that. You hit the nail on the head, Dwayne, in the interview. Um, really confident kid that you have to believe in yourself at that level. Cause everybody, it was the fucking best player of their whole life growing up. So cool yep. interview with Suda. Follow him along at Fargo and on Twitter at Michael Suda7. Um, Dwayne, great show as always. Really looking forward to our guest next week, man.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, you know, and with that being said, This has been episode 39 of Two Goalies, One Mike, and we will talk to you next week.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Mitts Barbershop, created and owned by a true friend of the program, Justin Gritsky. Mitts is a modern-day barbershop that provides a cool atmosphere featuring some of the greatest barbershops Buffalo has to offer. Come in, enjoy a free beer, play some video games, and get the best haircut in the area. When I asked Justin what sets mitts apart from the evil chain super-duper cuts that we see at every intersection, his answer says it all. My vision was to create the only true barbershop in Cheektowaga. When customers walked in, I wanted them to get that feeling they got when they strolled into the barbershops of old, the golden era of what a barbershop meant, not just a place to get your hair cut. So if you're looking for the real deal, Come on down to Mitts to get the real feel of what a true barbershop is and what it's supposed to be. The clear-cut top dog for all your haircutting needs. Look no further than Mitts Barbershop. And when you mention that two goalies and one mic sent you in, receive $5 off your haircut that day. Talk about customer service at its finest. Located at 3461 Genesee Street in Chittawaga, It is located right next door to the 33 Speakeasy Bar and Grill. Their phone number is 868-1424. And their hours are Monday, 12 to 6, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. On Saturday, they're open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and closed on Sundays because why not? Everybody deserves a little Sunday fun day. I want to finish this ad read-off by reading a great testimonial from one of Mitt's loyal customers. Tired of the cookie-cutter salons trying to get your attention? Also tired of those men-focused salons? Then when you leave, you feel like you just visited a Supercuts for Men and the haircut isn't any better? Then Mitt's is the place for you. Great cut, very professional, great atmosphere. A great place for men to get cut and trimmed up. I'm honestly a little sad I'm only visiting Buffalo because I need something like Mitts back home. You heard it here first. Come on down to Mitts for a great cut and an even better experience. We're happy to have them as a sponsor to the show. And we hope you join us in finding out what makes Mitts just so special. Thanks again to Justin and all the hard work him and his staff do. And without further ado, we'll kick it back to two goalies, one Mike.